dusters slowly and patiently, rubbing, then stopping to examine the result, and then rubbing again. When the machine was polished to his satisfaction, he wheeled it carefully into the stable, where it occupied a stall next to that of the cob. As he passed back again, the animal leisurely turned its head and gazed at Froyle with its large liquid eyes. He slapped the immense flank. Content, the animal returned to its feed, and the weighted chain ran down with a rattle. The fortnightly meeting of the Slate Club was to take place at eight o'clock that evening. Froyle had employed part of the afternoon in making ready his books for the event, to him always so solemn and ceremonious, and the affairs of the club were now prominent in his mind. He was sorry that it would be impossible for him to attend the meeting. Fortunately, all the usual preliminaries were complete. He took a piece of notepaper from a little hanging cupboard and, sprawling across the table, began to write under the lantern. The pencil seemed a tiny toy in his thick, roughened fingers. To Mr. Andrew McCall, Chairman, Queen's Arms Slate Club. Dear Sir, I regret to inform you that I shall not be at the meeting tonight. You will find the books in order. Here he stopped, biting the end of the pencil in thought. He put down the pencil and stepped hastily out of the stable, across the yard, and into the hotel. In the large room, the room where cyclists sometimes took tea and cold meat during the summer season, the long deal table and the double line of oaken chairs stood ready for the meeting. A fire burned warmly in the big grate, and the hanging lamp had been lighted. On the wall was a large card containing the rules of the club, which had been written out in a fair hand by the schoolmaster. It was to this card that Froyle went. Passing his thumb down the card, he paused at Rule 7. Each member shall, on the death of another member, pay one shilling for the benefit of widow or nominee of deceased, same to be paid within one month after notice given. Or nominee, nominee, he murmured reflectively, staring at the card. He mechanically noticed what he had noticed often before with disdain, that the chairman had signed the rules without the use of capitals. He went back to the dusk of the coach-house to finish his letter, still murmuring the word nominee, of whose meaning he was not quite sure. I request that the money due to me from the Slate Club on my death shall be paid to my nominee, Miss Susan Trimmer, now staying with her aunt, Mrs Penrose, at Bursley. Yours respectfully, William Froyle. After further consideration, he added, P.S. My annual salary of sixpence per member would be due at the end of December. If so be that the members would pay that, or part of it, should they consider the same due, to Susan Trimmer as well, I should be thankful. Yours respectfully, W.F. He put the letter in an envelope, and taking it to the large room, laid it carefully at the end of the table opposite the chairman's seat. Once more he returned to the coach-house. From the hanging cupboard he now produced a piece of rope. Standing on the table he could just reach, by leaning forward, a hook in the ceiling that was sometimes used for the slinging of bicycles. With difficulty he made the rope fast to the hook. Putting a noose on the other end, he tightened it round his neck. He looked up at the ceiling and down at the floor, in order to judge whether the rope was short enough. Goodbye, Susan, and everyone, 
he whispered, and then stepped off the table. The tense rope swung him by his neck halfway across the coach house. He swung twice to and fro, but as he passed under the hook for the fifth time, his toes touched the floor. The rope had stretched. In another second he was standing firm on the floor, purple and panting, but ignominiously alive. Good evening to you, Mr. Froyle. Be you committing suicide? The tones were drawling, uncertain, mildly astonished. He turned round hastily, his hands busy with the rope, and saw in the doorway the figure of Daft Jimmy, the Mawthorne idiot. He hesitated before speaking, but he was not confused. No one could have been confused before Daft Jimmy. Neither man nor woman in the village considered his presence more than that of a cat. Yes, I am, he said.